The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Power Minerals. The code is PNN, had a last sale price of 31 cents for a market cap of around $25 million. Now, Power Minerals um, has a lot on the go here in Australia. It has an interesting rare earth discovery on the Air Peninsula in South Australia. And it's also uh, in uh, one of the last frontiers for big nickel copper cobalt discoveries in the Musgrave region of South Australia, just across the border from where BHP is spending 1.7 on its West Musgrave project. But today, the focus is very much on lithium, particularly the group's Salter Lithium Project in Argentina. Now, for in a first for the podcast, we have uh, two guests today. First is uh, Mina Habib. He's the Executive Director of Power. And over in Calgary, Canada, we have Amanda Hall, who is a technology provider to the company and uh, an interesting story in itself. Uh, Amanda is the CEO and founder of Summit Nanotech, which has a nanotech membrane and uh, sorbent method of uh, direct lithium extraction. Not something that everyone in this market is fully on top of, given the focus on hard rock, but uh, it is a part of the world where Rio Tinto has uh, spent US $825 million acquiring a uh, DLE project not all that far from where Powers focus is. So with that rather long introduction, I'll introduce uh, Mina and Amanda to the podcast. Hi, guys. Hi, Barry. Hey, Barry. Mina, uh, it might be best to start off with you. Just give us a feel for what you've got over there in uh, this Salter Lithium project. Power Minerals holds a number of different mining licenses across five salars uh, in the world-renowned Lithium Triangle which we know hosts 65% of the world's lithium. You've had a maiden jork resource estimate at uh, one of the salars. Can you talk about that? So first up, uh, our Inkawasi salar. So we've just, we have over 249,000 tonnes of LCE at just under 200 milligrams um, a litre. Rincon, there is 66,000 tonnes of LCE at over 250 milligrams a litre. And we're currently completing our drilling at Rincon, so we're hoping for that resource to increase significantly, and we should have that uh, out in the next four to five weeks. Um, And then we move across to Pula, which we have 173,000 tonnes LCE, at uh, just under 100 uh, milligrams a litre. Right, so building a a nice resource base there. And can you talk about uh, what your expectations, broad expectations, by being, being able to grow the resource over time? The collective resource so we yeah we're, we're definitely looking to to grow our resource we've locked in our environmental uh permits for both in kawasi and rincon which allows us to continue working um and it's a very we have a very clear focus buried it's to fast track to small scale production using the latest direct lithium extraction technology um and we're hoping that that's going to put us in a very strong position to get into production in the next couple of years but what we're seeing from our current resource is that from our initial numbers, 
we have enough for um, a com it's commercially viable for uh, a project. And obviously, the quicker we can move to cash flow, um, the better, because that will help us expand our next project. So our two main focuses at the moment in Kawasi, which we're next door to Ganfeng, and our Rincon project, which is next door to Rio Tinto and our Aussie Peers Argosy. Um, and once again, we are looking to increase that resource at Rincos, which I think is going to put us on the map. Now, we've uh, talked about DLE. Um, the alternatives, uh, we're talking about brine, uh, lithium in brines is here, of course. And uh, DLE offers, we've been told, increased uh, recoveries uh, and the operations can do away with the uh, evaporation uh, solar ponds. So good time to bring in Amanda. Amanda, tell us about... Uh, Summit and uh, this uh, nanotech membrane and sorbent system of DLE extraction the company has worked up. Absolutely. Hey, Barry. Um, so Summit's DLE technology is uh, the efforts of about five years of work um, that we, my team has put in, uh, really, really focused on South American brines. We really didn't want to get distracted by geothermal brines or petrolithium brines or anything that to, keep, to take our focus off South America. And so we tailored our technology for Argentinian brines and Chilean brines. And it's really paid off because what we have is a process that um, uses both sorbents in a column and then a very unique water recovery step that uses membranes. And coupled together, we call this the Denali Loop. So Denali is a mountain in northern Canada. Um, and the loop is the, the movement of water from a lithium extraction column through a water recovery module and then back to the column again. And so the unique thing about our technology is that we recycle 95% of the water inside our system. We have very little freshwater top up that's needed. And so our water consumption is the lowest in the world, we think. Uh, we don't know anyone else that can use as little water as we do. And when you're working in the Andes and in the middle of the desert, that is a very important quality to have. Uh, so our our process can, uh, we get a yield of about 97, 98% lithium coming out of our Denali loop. We then have to carbonate it. So you do lose a little bit of lithium in that back end, but all, all technologies, all DLEs lose lithium when during the carbonation step. So that's not unique to us, um, but it's really good, strong um, process, uh, works really well. We've had it in the field for over a year in Chile, and we're really excited to uh, launch it, uh, launch a demo in in Argentina with Power Minerals. Now, obviously, DLE is not applicable in uh, all situations. Um, you have to start off with a, a, a lithium concentration in the brines that uh, uh, the DLE process can be applied to. So from what you've seen, this, that Salter region, the uh, concentration of lithium in the brines is uh, about right for the DLE purpose. Yes, and it's more it's more than just the lithium concentration that matters. It's the impurity profile as well. And so it's funny, when, when we first heard in Kawasi, I kind of plugged my nose and said, oh, it's only 200 parts per million. Uh, but then when I saw the rest of the assay showing the composition of the brine, I started smiling. And it's a beautiful brine, um, very few impurities. And what that means for us is that it takes a little bit longer going through our columns because the concentration's lower, but it means that we have less upfront process, processing, pre-processing to do before it goes into our unit. And so that means lower OPEX, lower hassles, less waste production. 
um, and just the project economics are really sweet. So we're excited about this brine in, in particular at Inkawasi, and we know Rincon brine is also fantastic. So we're excited about both of Power Minerals projects going forward. This market, uh, the ASX market that is, fixated on hard rock spodumene uh, out of Western Australia. DLE is a bit new. We've had uh, Lake Resources um, educating this market a, a bit on DLE, and we've subsequently seen Rio Tinto come in and make a big bet on the future of DLE. Can I just get a feel from you how how you see DLE, DLE uh, share or growth in years to come? It's an essential part of the expansion plans for existing producers, and it's a necessity for junior miners who want to move quickly. And I'll let Mina speak to why he chose DLE, because uh, he's the mastermind behind us even being his partner. So why don't you take it away, Mina? Yeah, definitely. So I guess for us, Barry, we we tested a number of direct lithium extraction uh, technologies. We did a lot of homework. So Dr. Nick Lindsay, who came across from Lake Resources, he had a, a really good uh, in-depth knowledge to provide us on DLE. Um, and what we found, obviously, that its uh, technology allows selective removal of lithium, and that gives you that final product within a short period of time. We're talking three to 24 hours. And when you compare to evaporation, that could take years. So in terms of a smaller scale production, it's definitely the right fit. Um, and you look at the the their final product, it is a refined battery grade product. And when you look at all things being equal versus, if you're going to benchmark versus hard rock, we really need to look at the refined product and what the real cost per dollar um, per tonne of LCE of hard rock will be compared to DLE, compared to evaporation. And from our, from our studies, we believe that DLE um, you know, puts us in the best position when it comes to that, uh, the final product for both the capex, opex, energy, and water comparisons, and you know, if we're going to summarize it, faster, less expensive, scalable, um, high, and there's high recovery, um, and it allows these projects which weren't viable using um, evaporation to to move forward um, in, in becoming a producer. Also, Barry, just one more thing, we also preserving the aquifer. We've seen in Chile recently that as a result of um, companies producing large amounts using evaporation, um, there was environmental issues. So the ESG component for DLE is fantastic. And it's something that the local communities, the local authorities are now watching very closely because at the moment, not everyone's producing, but once everyone starts pumping that brine and um, you know, they're all setting up these ponds, it's just going to become extremely difficult and the aquifers might suffer. So as a result, um, we preserve the aquifer, but with the re-injection, and that's something that Summit specialise in. So we've partnered with the, we've definitely partnered with the right technology partner, they, their, their water usage, their energy consumption, and their overall vision of clean technology and sustainable mining fits perfectly with our, our vision. So, if I could get you to talk a bit about the, it's not uh, a, a straight uh, technology deal with uh, Summit. Can you talk a bit about this uh, option and joint venture agreements that you're, you're working on uh, completing with Summit? Yeah, definitely. So, firstly, uh, it's important to highlight that the joint venture has been structured, uh, structured to incentivize both companies for success. 
for so what we're really aiming for is a true partnership shared values initially summit will receive 30 percent of the asset in exchange for the value we expect from the pilot plant testing and funding for the pfs so at that level once we hit the, the pfs we expect the value to increase for more than 30 percent which puts power in a, in a really good position and in return uh, summit will invest up to three million us dollars um, the initial two million US is at a premium to the current share price at fifty cents, um, and that talks to the value that in it, that we the summit sees in our project. So um, I think it's a really good opportunity for the market to understand why summits are paying a premium, um, which bodes well for all our investors. So secondly, summit may earn an additional four point nine percent in the joint venture. Um, and that comes down to the results of the pilot plan testing. If they meet specified performance requirements of a tier one or two or tier two offtake partner, then that 4.9% will be granted. And we know that some are having discussions with some uh, really good potential offtake partners. So we're, we're excited by that. Uh, and lastly, there's an additional 15% to summit from the completion of an on-site demonstration plan. So and moving into a DFS. And at that point, you're moving into production. So the asset value increases significantly. Amanda, um, it's an interesting uh, technology the company's developed. And obviously, the summit having a project interest is part of the business plan going forward. I'm just wondering why have, uh, there's quite a few lithium projects around the world. Why did uh, you settle on the one that Power has to advance your technology and take an equity interest in the project? Uh, yeah, so Barry, I come from the oil and gas sector, and I have 18 years of resource extraction experience. And so having a holistic approach to developing a lithium project was really important to me. Um, the values that power is using in the development of their asset align with what I want um, as a CEO of my own company. And, uh, you know, we made a lot of mistakes in oil and gas, uh, and we learned from them. And I want to make sure that as we develop a lithium project in the future, we're taking all of those learnings from our resource extraction experience and employing them in a way that these projects are being developed sustainably and with uh, a lot of attention and care to local communities and environmental impact. Um, and so as we're looking over power mineral shoulders and they're in the development stage of these assets, we're, we're busy scaling the technology back in our facility in Santiago. But every time we look to see what they're up to, they are doing a damn good job at, at what they're doing. The development process has been extremely high quality with a lot of, like I said, care and consideration for communities and for the environment. So we know we're aligned on these values and we're aligned on moving quickly. So the agility, the speed and the care, it, it just makes it a perfect partnership for us. Okay. Christian, for uh, Mina, you obviously have a substantial and growing resource base and a great uh, technology uh, agreement and joint venture agreement with uh, Summit. I was just wondering, what are the next steps and can you give investors a feel for how moving into production might pan out in the coming, coming years? Definitely, Barry, and that's a really good question. So we, we definitely have a, an aggressive approach um, and both companies, you know, we're lean, we're agile and we're making decisions to move and fast. And obviously, the different skill sets are complementing each other. In terms of what's next, so we'll have the resource upgrade out of Rincon, and hopefully, that will that's going to lead into a scoping study, which we're currently uh, undertaking, and that should be ready 
uh, within a couple of weeks of the the resource upgraded. So the next couple of months are going to tell the the market and tell us internally as a company, do we have a project uh, at Rincon that's similar, which will, we're hoping for a similar scale to in Kawasi. So we're seeing not only an increase in resource, but also the, the scoping study to validate the, the next steps moving forward to um, near-term production. And I think it's important, Barry, to, to recognize what our peers have achieved. So when we look at, at the Rincon Salah, we've seen Argosy from a fairly reasonable sized resource move quite nicely and effectively and efficiently to a small-scale production of 2,000. What that tells us is it works well for local communities, for governments, um, and we're looking to follow a similar pathway. So we believe that using the right technology and also uh, working with a smaller scale production. So we're not out there saying we're going to produce 20,000 and, and all these uh, you know these numbers. We're focused on 5,000 tonnes and we, we know that our peers have moved towards production with a lower amount. So we're looking to replicate that, but not only at Rincon, but also in Kawasi. And in, in parallel, we'll begin working across um, our other resources as well. And the, the goal is once we move, if we get one of these projects um, to become cash flow positive, that then uh, flows into our other projects. So a very clear strategy. Um, and overall, we have um, Rincon, the upgrade um, and, P- and sloping study. And we also have in Kawasi. So we're moving, di- we, as soon as we finish Rincon, which we're um, demobilizing now, we moved to in Kawasi setting up our camp there, we begin the pumping well, we begin uh, uh, collecting 60,000 litres for Summit to run at their pilot plant in Chile. Uh, and from there, we look at moving into a PFS. So it's, there's there's plenty happening. Amanda, um, I take it DLE le- it lends itself to sort of a, a modular approach uh, in the sense that start out small, works well, replicate, replicate, and end up having quite substantial production. Is that one of the attractions of the technology? Yeah, yeah. Scaling DLE is, at least for our process, because we're using sorbents and um, these cell, uh, like they almost look like a battery, like the water recovery step, because it's got electrodes and membranes all squished together. Um, but scale the scalability of sorbent and these membranes is, it's really easy. Um, and so our our sorbent itself to scale it, we just make more of it. So that's easy. And then we just increase the column size, the, di- the diameter and the height. Uh, we use the same aspect ratio as we're using in our pilot. So it should be a simple scale up for, from a column dimension perspective. Um, and then for the water recovery step, we just add extra cells. So scaling from what we're at today is we're designing uh, 25 cube per day or anywhere from 30 to 50 tons per year as our demo scale. Um, and that's a that's a, about a 20 times scale up from our pilot. And then from there, we scale 10 times more to get to commercial scale. So our commercial scale units should process about 1,000 ton, uh, tons of lithium per year. And then that's like a Lego block that we just repeat. So when Mina wants 5,000 tons per year, we hand him five units, five commercial units. And he turns them on and produces lithium. And then if he wants to scale up again, we, we just make five more, five more, five more, you know, and we just keep ad- additive, ad- additively increasing production that way. So obvious advantage over the hard rock uh, guys because they spend 
don't know, a couple hundred million developing a mine and a couple hundred million developing a processing plant uh, before they get anything here. It starts off small but can grow quite quickly. And, man, a final question for you, the toughest one of the lot, a value question. Um, I mentioned at the start you've got an interesting rare earth project uh, along the Kaolin in the Air Peninsula and the Musgrave Nickel uh, Copper Co Cobalt Exploration Project in South Australia. It's my way of thinking uh, you could justify the current market cap uh, with those two projects alone. So what's uh, missing in the value question and how does the company uh, move the market cap up the, up the chain? Uh, in the coming months and years. Another great question, Barry. The way I see it, I don't think the market really believes that we could potentially move into uh, production. But I, the way I look at it is if you look once again, I refer to Argosy because they're on the same solar. So the brine temperature is not going to be too different. We're using the same uh, or very similar infrastructure. So we're positioned extremely well. And you know, they're, they're three, uh, you know, roughly 300 mil market cap. You know, we're at the, the you know, 25 mil. So I think if, when I look at their timeline, once they really began to um, define the resource and really connect with the market that they're moving into production, the penny dropped and they had that re-rate. And I think we're not too far off. But the, once again, the benefit is we've got in Kawasi as well. We, we know the resource. We know the brine chemistry matches brilliantly with Summit's technology. So we're looking to to work with two projects and obviously in parallel look at the third as we define a resource there. So the market, I, I think the biggest question is will Power Minerals uh, move into production? Behind closed doors, we're confident, once again, because we have a clear strategy um, and an efficient pass, pathway to small-scale production. There you go, folks. Very interesting story. Um, in the DLE space, um got a, a dis disruptive sort of feel to it, so one to watch out for. And as I mentioned earlier, and um, Nina's just mentioned Argosy, and of course uh, Rio Tinto thinks DLE is the future in uh, lithium, so one to watch. And don't forget the rare earths and the uh, nickel copper over in South Australia. So with that, guys, thanks very much for your time. Fascinating story, and we'll be watching with interest. Thanks. Thanks, Barry.